Welcome to the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. On this podcast, let's step aside from our busy lives to have fun, fascinating, life-giving conversation with inspiring authors, pastors, sports personalities, and other influencers, leaders, and followers. Sit back, grab some coffee, or head down the road, and let's get the good and gold from today's guest. Here's Jeff Pinkleton, Executive Director of the Gathering of the Miami Valley, where their mission is to connect men to men and men to God. Hello, friends. Welcome to today's edition of the Pinkleton Pull Aside Podcast. And I am excited today to be with a guy that I actually know. Oftentimes when we uh, do this, I'm popping in and talking to someone that we've had dialogue through text or email or through an assistant or a manager or someone. And today is a guy that was gracious and gave me and a couple friends about 30 minutes. We had a great conversation in Asheville, North Carolina at the Billy Graham Training Center, also known as The Cove. So uh, today, welcome Michael O'Brien. Thank you, Brother Jeff. Good to be with you, buddy. As I said before we got on here, though, I'm a little bummed out that we're not at The Cove because the Mm. food there is so good by what you just told me. You've been there and probably had 50 to 100 meals before, which if people could see you right now, they would know you're anything but overweight. You are not overweight. And if I had 50 or so meals at The Cove... I'd be more overweight than I am right now. So maybe we should just spend a whole time. Uh, yeah, they, they know how to do it over there. I'll tell you. We should spend time just talking about how you push away from the table there. If people knew about it and could see that spread <laughs> family style in that beautiful dining room, they would respect you way more than anything else we might talk about right now. So, <laughs> Well, I am, I'm blessed to be able to, as you know, to be there. It's a, an incredible experience. So very, very grateful to the Lord that he's allowed me to, to do it is the last four or five years. So You know what? Let's start there. Talk a little bit about, I mean, this is a place that uh, one of the things I love with my day job, the, I, you know, I run this thing called the gathering of the Miami Valley. Our tagline is connecting men to men and men to God. And I get super excited when I get to tell people about resources or mm-hmm. uh, an author, a book, a speaker, something that they don't know about. And oftentimes it's retreats and that yeah. place is, the creme de la creme. I mean, from speakers to their bookstore to food, the setting, yeah. everything about it. So you've been there a bunch of times. So yeah. what is a place like the Billy Graham Training Center meant to you, Michael? Well, I mean, even though I'm working, in a sense, you know, I'm leading worship at these conferences. It's a really great place to unplug from life as far as, you know, social media and things like that, that, you know, just the rigmarole of the of the world. So even with me going to work, it's still actually very very peaceful, and the surrounding obviously is is just gorgeous. You got the mountains, and you're you know you're just kind of stuck up in this area where you're you're definitely you're not in Kansas anymore, so to speak. And it's a it's just an enjoyable, peaceful God. I think uh, oh uh, Billy Graham's daughter Gigi. She says every time she drives through that front, she just she just gets that feeling of peace. And so, if I if I could use one word, that that would be it for the cove. It's mm. peace, peaceful. Well, I think we all you know I love the Mark Batterson expression about change of pace plus change of place equals change of perspective. To me, the cove is just one of those places where it is it is literally heaven touches earth, and we can mm-hmm. say that we can overstate it, but there. It is that. So you talked about it's work for you there, which clearly it is. And you're bringing your A game and 
I didn't know much about you before, but when you led worship there, when I was there several months ago, the seriousness at which you led and take a few songs and really want it to mean something to people during that time, you don't want it to be one more thing. You don't, you know, overstate it, but you really want to give something to the several hundred people that are there. How do you balance that between, you know, you're going there and it's going to be a gift and it's great and you love it. And yet you are working. So how do you balance out at a place like the Cove, those two things? Is that, is there tension in that for you? Or is it easy to know you're going to give, but you know, you're going to get back. Yeah. I mean, the, the people there are like family now. Um, when I first started going there, Michelle Bachelor, dear friend, who's no longer, she passed away this last year. It's a, really the reason why I was even, even there because uh, they went to uh, Windshape, which is owned by Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. And Windshape uh, is in, I think it's in Rome, Georgia. And they have my music playing in their rooms. I have a project called Be Still My Soul. And uh, so she had heard it. And then she invited me. When I first got there, I was a little intimidated because, you know, I, I felt like I was on, like it, it was a, an audition. And it's like, you know, do I want to use this guy or not? And then I just got to know her and her husband and Eric and all these guys that are all a part of the ministry. And these, these, these people are, they're just really humble. So in answer to your question, I, I feel very humbled that I get to be there. And then my main objective, obviously, when I'm doing what I do is to get people to sing. And so I want to try to pick songs that number one are scripturally based and that are good theologically. And then, you know, that's the goal. So I just very, very humbled that uh, they would let me come as as many times of the of the year that they do. Sure. Now, does your wife go with you much when you go there? Not as much as I'd like her to, but she's made a couple of trips, and I think she's going to do another couple this year. That's great. Now, you mentioned Windshape, and I'm somewhat familiar with that. I've not been there yet, but I've heard great things about Windshape. How does Windshape and uh, the Cove kind of – how do they relate to each other? Are they – well, I mean, I know that different. Windshape does a lot of marriage conferences and, and they do intensives for couples who are going through some really dark times. And their focus, I think, is more on marriages, even though they have a youth camp there that's connected as well. But I would say, you know, probably the Cove does more of the things that we're talking about, which is the conferences for pastors, conferences for the military, or just a conference to bring in, you know, like a Bodie Bauckham or some of these uh, great speakers. And, and then you get, you know, you get the food, you get the atmosphere, everything is, is just incredible. So you, I mean, you've experienced it. So you understand yeah. you can talk about it and unless you experience it, it's like, it's really good, but both places are very peaceful. I would say one shape as well. Similar excellence to one shape as there is at the Cove, I assume. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. Cause I take people, Usually twice a year. I've actually been back twice since they opened in September to south of Bardstown at the Abbey of Gethsemane down in Kentucky. And you know, the food is not quite the same thing. And there's some <laughs> things that are a little different, but I always tell people I really try to undersell that. So they, yeah. come, they come in feeling like it's better than what I thought. And at the Cove, there's no underselling. And no matter how great I tell people it is, it's better, as you know. Yeah. I would say, yeah, the wind shape probably, if you're going to compare them, yeah, it's gonna. It's definitely gonna be the Cove who wins out. But you remember, you know, Windshape is owned by Chick Fil A. Exactly. So they're not gonna put out bad food. Sure, no <laughs> doubt about that. Probably a lot of chicken to be had there. So, so Michael, yeah. let's jump in testimony. So you got a great testimony. I went back and checked out a video clip of you this morning uh, telling 
the great story about you in this church and you getting bold and asking a question. So give us kind of the three minute before you came to Christ, what was God doing to get you there? I mean, obviously there's some challenges and difficulties in your coming to Christ. So give us that story. All right. The fast version is I was in Lafayette, Louisiana. I was bartender at Chili's at the time and I was in the drug scene. And so to get out of the drug scene, I thought, well, I'll move to Miami, which, you know, <laughs> obviously poor choice. Wow. I was going to live with my sister and I just ended up going back to the same thing I was trying to get out of. And I was in the bar business. I was working at steak and ale at the time at a club called Cafe Flamingo. I was doing really heavy drugs with some friends of mine who were dealers and had some close calls. I wasn't a Christian at the time, but I'd heard about Christ, you know, f- probably for 12 years at that point. And so I, I knew where to run. There was a church right down the street from where I lived. It was called Wayside Baptist Church. I don't remember the pastor's name. I never went back after this night. Oh, I went back the next day and talked to the singles guy. But basically, he was taking questions from the audience on a, on a Sunday night service. And I was late anyway. So I just raised my hand and basically said, how do you get out of this lifestyle? You know, gratifying the, the sinful nature. I, I don't know how exactly I put it. It was just a cry for help. And the whole church that was on the front rows, you know, first five or six rows kind of turned back on me and looked at me like, oh, who is this guy? And then next thing you know, they're over here and they're praying for me. And, you know, the pastor basically told me I needed to make a 180 from the life that I was living. And I went back to the next day to talk to the singles guy. He was really, really nice. Asked me what I did for a living. I told him I was playing in a piano bar and I was a bar manager of Cafe Flamingo. He was not real prepared for that moment. Um, And he was like, oh, man, you're going to have to quit. And I thought to myself, I can't quit. That's how I make my living. I literally left that church, never went back, went, went back to work. God was dealing with me. And then shortly after that, I got fired mm-hmm. for no good reason from the, from the guy who owned the place. And he didn't even give me a reason. He just said, just don't come in. And I figured as I look back, I, I really believe that was God firing me and I, cause I didn't have the courage to do it myself. And that really, that transition from that to being a waiter in a restaurant and a group coming in through Miami that I auditioned for that I actually made the group called the Heritage Singers. And that's where I met my wife and the mm-hmm. rest is history. But my walk, I will tell you, I, I thought, you know, I knew where to run. I knew Jesus was real. I just didn't know how to live mm-hmm. my life. And I needed to be surrounded by because, you know, bad company corrupts good morals. So I was still hanging out with all these people in the bars and, you know, fighting that fight. And then God just plucked me right out of that and took me and put me in this group. And the next thing you know, I'm hanging out with Christians and they're reading the word and they're telling me all about Christ. And I'm, I started to grow spiritually. Wow. You talk about in some of the videos I've seen, you go deep about various drugs, mm-hmm. alcohol. You really talk about pornography, which we'll probably dip into that a little bit more as well. But I think sometimes, you know, one of the cautions I always have when I think about talking about those kind of things, and you've probably seen an experience, is I'll see people share their testimony, and without trying to, they almost glorify their past in a way yeah, that could make... glory you know, and the shame. Yep. Yeah, I don't even know if they're trying to, but I think about someone like me with a almost 19, 17, 15, 13-year-old. My daughter turns 13, 13 today, actually. And mm-hmm. I think about... Could people hear that and say, well, okay, look where he ended up. I, I can go have some fun and cut loose. and It's not really going to cost me. And you talk mm-hmm. about that price. Talk more about drugs, alcohol, pornography, and damage. Because you talk about, I've heard you talk about it did 
not only damage to people, but damage to you. Speak about that damage to you and others. Well, I remember uh, Alistair Begg said one time, he says, God has chosen the things that I would never glory in for his glory. So mm-hmm. if, if God can take any part of my story and use it for his glory, then, you know, to God be the glory. I can tell you that I think there's a misconception uh, of people thinking that they can take from the world what they want because they go, hey, I want a little bit of this. I want a little bit of that. And every time you reach out and you're grabbing and taking from the world, really what's happening is the world is just taking a piece of you. Sure. And then for me, it was like I didn't have anything left. I was, I was so empty. I was so lost. I was so desperate for change. And that was coming by way of the Holy Spirit. And can I just say this? I think it's important. When you are living a life of sin, you know, a lot of times we stay away from the word guilt, shame, those things make us feel uncomfortable. But when you are living a life of sin, you are guilty. You you should know. Mm. This is the thing that I, I want to say that I think is a great distinction. If you are in Christ and you are sinning, there should be shame as well. The shame of doing something that you know is displeasing to the Lord. People don't like the word shame because it makes them feel like, well, that's from the devil. No, I think it's from the Holy Spirit if you're in Christ. Mm. Um, And then ultimately the guilt of, hey, I'm guilty of this life that I'm living is just a true statement. You know, just as a, uh, a judge would look at you and go, yeah, you're guilty. So we bring our guilt and we bring our shame to the Lord and everything is in Christ. And if I could just break that down in Christ, the person and work of Jesus Christ, he did what I couldn't do. He did what I couldn't do. And that was the news, the good news of the gospel, because we are before Christ, we are an enmity with God. We are the wrath of God is on us. The Bible says, um, Uh, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But then it goes on to say, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. This is the good news of the gospel. And that is what really started clicking in my life when we plucked me out. But I can tell you, it's a dark, dark place. Uh, when you're away from God and you're at enmity with God. I like how you use the real distinction there because you're right with the word shame. We have really, like, you don't even want to hear it. It's almost like put it aside versus the fact there is a reality to it. I like how you said it. Another word that I noticed time and time again, you are not afraid to use is desperation. You've talked Mm -hmm. about it with your testimony and coming to Christ. And then I think now, having matured greatly in Christ and being a man of God who is and does what you get to do, talk about desperation then versus desperation now. You know, when you were at the Cove and you led worship, I don't know how I missed it because I listen to a lot of music. I go to a lot of concerts. I don't know that I had ever heard His Mercy is More. When you Mm -hmm. did that, I mean, Holy Spirit was all over that. And it's the lyrics, Mm -hmm. it's you, it was that moment for me, and I have... Moments with music where I'll think back to when and just think, wow, God was up to something there. And knowing your story tied in, I'm sure that song has that much more meaning to a guy like you. So talk about desperation weaved all through that from the time you come to Christ, even now, how do you, in a good way, stay desperate? Hmm. I think uh, one of the things I've even told my son, Joseph, one of the things that I used to when I first became an artist on Benson Records I always wanted to sing songs about the cross. 
because you know where is our hope? Obviously, we we serve a risen Savior, and He seated at the right hand of God the Father. But our hope is in Christ that He died for the sins uh, that we've ever committed or ever will commit. And to be desperate in a, that, that word itself, I mean, let's let's face it, we probably don't use that word very often when we think about. But I am so reliant on Christ, my Savior, daily as I open up his word to speak to my heart through his word. Remember in second Timothy, it says all scripture read that by God profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be completely equipped for every good work. So this is my life source. It's not a check mark. So when I go to the word, because I'm desperate to kind of recalibrate, if you will, it's like mm-hmm. every morning I'm, I'm setting up my day, you know, 5 36 o'clock in the morning i'm in the word for an hour then i'm with my wife for two hours and we're and we're just talking about the lord and we're praying for our kids and it's just that life source that drives me and i think it comes by way of the holy spirit i come i think it's it has everything to do about christ and to me that's where i live my life and so when i when i you know sing a song like his mercy is more. I'm looking for songs just like that. Mm. Always looking for songs where the truth rings out and people can, can another great one, Lord, I need you. And even, even though that song, uh, I don't even get into the, the, the guy who ended up writing part of it, but the bottom line is theologically, it's a great, great song. So those kinds of songs, I'm always trying to get the body of Christ to sing with me mm. so they can realize their great need, their great need of a savior. Yeah. That's cool. Quick side note, by the way, I'll never forget that last night you took some more popular, uh, we would use the term secular, which I don't like to use that term because I think it, you know anything can be sacred if God makes it so. Yeah. You have some fun doing some kind of mash it up. Hit on that a little bit. Let, let people know about what you do that way. So playing in the bars back in the day, I, some of the songs like, you know, Piano Man or, uh, you know, How Sweet It Is by James Taylor. Uh, they're, they're all really great songs that I just thought, well, I could take some of them and tweak them a little bit. I've been doing this for years. And, and funny thing is, is that when I do it, typically, you know, I always have like some of these, <laughs> these people come up to me. who's like, man, I remember that song. And they have all these stories, but it, it opens up conversations. And, uh, you know, some people, I've never really had anybody boo me, but you know, if it's a more conservative audience, sometimes it could be a little, <laughs> a little bit shocking that I'm, you know, doing, old time rock and roll, but I've kind of, you know, rewritten the lyric on that one as well. So I, I think you can take those things and you know, as long as your whole concert's not like that, but just kind of give a little taste and it makes people remember, think about, you know, the old songs and, but they have a new, they have a new flair to them now. So. Have, have you ever thought about, you know, any style of music, especially on the hills of, you know, a Super Bowl halftime show that has Dr. Dre and Eminem and, you know, all these oh, kind of Lord. folks in there. Have you ever thought of like, okay, what are some of the songs that are the most extreme, controversial, far from God honoring and saying, okay, how can we take some of those songs, whoever the artist may be and play with those and redeem them? No, I've never done. I mean, I've, I've got a double medley. So I have that medley you heard. I have one other that I did and I was like, okay, I'm done. I think I'm tapped out. I'm just tapping myself out and going that that's probably enough for me. But you know, there are people who I, I think, what was the name of that group that actually did that? That was their, that was their whole hook was there a Christian group taking old songs and putting 
Christian lyrics or rhythmics or something like that. I can't remember well, the name gl- of them. Didn't Glad, well, maybe Glad, I feel like Glad might have done something like that, but then definitely on a more. Yeah, it was another group though. Anthem Lights has done some stuff in recent years, kind of a little bit like that, you know, kind of on a boy band side of things like that. So, gotcha. Yeah. Um, I'm so tempted to want to have you do something right now, just so you know. I'm, I don't know if you want to take that lead and that, that's a Holy Spirit thing and you run with it, but uh, I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, did you, did you do an Eagles song? I feel like you did something by the Eagles. Um, I did the Doobie Brothers. Um, I think I did, yeah, I did, uh, oh, Achy Breaky Heart. And I think I did Elton John's Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. All right, give uh, me, something. you got to give us one of those two, just a 30 second blurb. Oh my gosh. 30 second gonna, blurb. Don't we need that? Well, I might be able to give you a little. Cause let's see. Uh, there was the, the Eagles version of like Peaceful Easy Feeling. Didn't somebody do that? I want to stop. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to stop. Thank you, Jesus. How sweet it is to be loved by you. See, and, and I love stuff like that because I think, you know, that song, I'm even hearing James Taylor doing it. I'm like, you yeah. you can sing that to Jesus. That doesn't have to. Kelly Clarkson, <laughs> who I like, and I've gotten free concerts to see her twice because I was not Jesus? ashamed. Kelly Clarkson. Oh, Kelly, yeah. I was not ashamed Great. to say I was such and such years old, married, and unashamedly a Kelly Clarkson fan. And both times a, a different female came up to me and said, hey, I appreciate your honesty. Here's two tickets. And wow. uh, she's got a couple songs. I, you know, I used to joke with my wife and say, uh, you know, her song, uh, my life would suck without you. You can, you can make that a song about Jesus because my life would suck without Jesus. So you probably good. Yeah. Yeah, for uh, sure. Of course, nobody would want me to be the one to record it. They'd say, get Michael O'Brien to do that. Instead. So, <laughs> so anyway, you hit on talking about in songs with your medleys like that. Yeah. Things that are extreme, redeeming, reconciling restoring yeah. so when you think about your period of life how many boys do you have again oh three boys and a girl okay this particularly with the three boys pornography mm-hmm. drugs alcohol how do you feel yeah. like god has used those for his good his glory in the lives particularly your sons as if that would have mm-hmm. never happened how has he redeemed that and taken them further or really imprinted his heart in the lives of your sons more so than if that would have never happened I think the obvious thing is, you know, you don't want your kids to go through all the same thing. This is, man, I don't understand why people go. I think we talked about this a little earlier. Hey, I'm going to go out and do some really stupid stuff so I can build a really good testimony so God can use me later on in life. And I think to myself, how foolish can you be? Mm-hmm. Some of the greatest testimonies I've ever heard have, have been those people who was like, you know what? It got really hard, but I never turned my back on God by the grace of God. And I never went down that road. And that that's the kind of testimonies I wanted my boys mm-hmm. to have. You know, being raised up in a, in a godly family that we were always, you know, teaching them about Jesus. And and I, I knew I had to talk to them about pornography at an early age. Nine years old is when I started with Mikey. Mm. I started reading books with them and, and trying to be really proactive. And, you know, the sad thing is, Jeff, is that no matter how hard you try, kids, unless Christ is the, their savior, they're bent towards evil. Mm. And they, they're going to find a way in, you know, you, whether it be through friends or so all three of my boys were exposed to pornography and would seek it out too. Um, not to not, not to my knowledge. I had all the filters. I had everything. I, I, I did everything I possibly could conversation after conversation. How's your purity? And uh, each one of them, um, unfortunately, went down that road. But all that to say, the question is. I mean, I don't, it's, it's not all squeaky clean, is it? It's like, okay, you do, you try to do all the right things, but 
there's a sinful nature and there's a gratifying of the flesh. And so now it's been, hey, how do I, as a dad with 22 year old, a 24 year old and a 28 year old still be in their life, Mm. still speak truth, still point them to what, you know, the, the Bible talks about with purity and sexual immorality. And, you know, one of them's married, two of them are looking for their wives. So your job's never done. Mm. Your job's never done. But my past was, the, and they know about it. They've heard the testimonies. Um, I, I don't, you know, none of my kids have ever been drunk. So, I mean, the good news is that there are some things they're like, well, I don't want to do you know, what my dad did as far as that's concerned. So, all I can tell you is it's only by the grace of God as a parent that, you know, as we raise them up in Christ and do our job, that's all we can do. We do the best that we can do. And, and they've seen my flaws and they've seen all the things that I didn't do well. And you just hope and pray that as they grow older, they rely more and more on his word. And uh, but yeah, I wish I could tell you I, I did it all right. Um, I didn't. I made some mistakes along the way. I was on the road a lot. I was gone 250 days out of a year for seven years of my life and their lives. And uh, that had a a huge impact on them as well. So, and all that was in the name of ministry and, you know, going out on the road and, and sharing my testimony in front of thousands of people of the winter jams and seeing people come forward every night, sometimes 15, 2000 people coming forward and you thinking, Hey, you know, this is my calling. This is what God's called me to. And my family's falling apart at home. And, and the reality of that is, is that I got to a point where I, I would lead the altar call. People would come forward. I'd run to the back of the bus and unplug from every person because I had hidden sin in my life, guilt, shame, all those things that we talked about a little bit earlier. And I was a miserable wretch literally miserable, but people would look at me and go, wow, this guy, I mean, he's, you know, look at all the people coming to Christ and seeing the fruit of that. And you realize, no, God doesn't need me. He really doesn't need me to do this. And so I repented it with a, a contrite heart. And you know, the difference between contrite, uh, the 1828 version of con- contrition, which is, and I, I wrote this down, literally worn or bruised, hence brokenhearted for sin, deeply affected with grief and sorrow for having offended God, humble, penitent as a contrite sinner. That's in the, the 1828 Webster's Dictionary. And uh, that was my life. God was showing me the greatness of my sin and all this hidden stuff. And so I, I probably didn't even answer your question, how you asked it, um, but it kind of led me down that little road to say, I did all these things, but I, I failed miserably as a dad in a lot of areas, even though I had some check marks along the way that I said, well, you know, I did that pretty good. So what would your boys say? I mean, I know they're definitely doing some things and serving the Lord now and growing mm-hmm. in him, whatnot. What would they say to what you just said in that soundbite? They, would they, how would they say, respond to this, but dad, dot, 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 what would they say? I, I think they would probably say, but dad, I think, he, you know, he did. I think he did a great job. You know, they, they would be very affirming to me, probably make me feel uncomfortable uh, because, because of the fact that I feel like I, I, I fail miserably in so many different areas, but they would be very, in each one of them right now, as I think about them, Timmy, Joseph, and Mikey, um, they all love the Lord and they want to serve him in, in whatever capacity that they're doing it. 
And, uh, and they, they said, they would say to you right now that over the last five years, they've seen a real change in me mm. in my life. And they would go, I've seen real, like Jesus is real to my dad. So that'd be the, the thing that they would probably be able to say now that they couldn't have said 15 years ago. How do you feel when you think about that? When you think about them saying over the last five years, you know, Mike Donahue, uh, who's a musician like you, he says, he talks about there's kind of three stages maybe of us following Jesus. And I really like this, that there's a, a savior moment. There's a Lord moment. I think, you know, some people it's savior and Lord at the same time, like it was for my wife. I think for me, it was savior. And then years later, it was Lord. And then he refers to a treasure. Like Jesus is your treasure. Are they seeing in you maybe more of the treasure over the last five years? I would say absolutely. And that is a work of, I mean, I've been reading the Bible through since 2004, but I think I, sh I shared this a little earlier, but it was a check mark. It wasn't, it wasn't my life source. And so now I, I have to, it's like, you don't want to be around me if I'm not in, in the word. And I want to talk about those things. I feel like a stranger and they would be, they would say, yeah, dad, man, he, He's a bit intense in certain areas, especially when it comes to purity, because I guess of what everything, you know, everything I've been through and how it almost destroyed my marriage. But I think they would say I have a real authentic walk mm. with Christ. That's very needy, if you, if, wow. if, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that's exciting. Man, we could talk about whatever else. That, that to me is exciting to think about that at your age and your place in life that Jesus is mm. that fresh, which I sense that from you. You know, when I remember when I first saw you at, at the Cove, I didn't know much about you. And I just thought, here's this good looking guy who does the music thing and he looks the part and he's the Nashville guy and blah, 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 whatever else. But uh, mm. I, you know, haven't talked to you that night and just other dialogue we've had. I mean, I definitely sense yeah. more. And I love that your boys would say that about, I hope my boys are saying that about me. Every five years, it's he's that Jesus is that fresh. So we're getting pretty deep here. Let's transition to some silliness and then get back on track. So right. I have these five questions good. called the Rapid Five, and we'll go quick here. What is your right. favorite childhood snack or cereal? Um, I had Special K, but I put a heavy dose of sugar on it. <laughs> I'm talking white sugar to the point where it, it was. I mean, it, all it was was sugar. So should so you I would just have call Special K, and then I would just. Say, dump all the sugar on the top of it. And then so I stir it up. You shouldn't just cut the chase and just go right for frosted flakes. <laughs> My parents wouldn't buy it. They oh, only got special case. So I had to kill it with the sugar. Surprised yeah, you didn't add, what about like powdered sugar instead of regular sugar? You do both. No, only did the white heavy sugar. <laughs> so what is your favorite book you most want to, or do give to other people? It's called the mortification of sin by John Owen. Mm, that's an old, I've heard, a lot of people reference very that deep, deep book. Wow. I, you, you will spur me on to check that out for sure. So your kid, your boys are a little bit older. Your daughter's how old? 30 today. Oh, wow. Wow. Your daughter, my daughter, Sherbert. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, 14. So let's say they're younger. You know what I love about that, by the way, that does keep you from uh, having to celebrate Valentine's. So that's, that's played well, <laughs> that's that's right. played well that's for so me and my wife. Yeah. So <laughs> your family's on vacation. You're going from say Nashville to you know, you're going to Florida, you're going out West somewhere. And if you were like me, we never seem to time it perfect because of traffic or some complication. Somebody uh -huh. all of a sudden has to go to the bathroom like 15, 20 minutes earlier than your thought. And you're like, well, we're not making two stops. Let's just get off now. And yeah. you see these three signs, you see Chick-fil-A, McDonald's or in and out Where's Tim yep. O'Brien going? Oh, 
we're, we're definitely going to Chick-fil-A. I used to work for Chick-fil-A and I'm a huge Chick-fil-A fan. Plus, you know, you got some, some good choices, at least Chick-fil-A that, you know, some, some not saying that McDonald's and I like In-N-Out too, but yeah, Chick-fil-A is going to win every time. Yeah, I almost cut off this interview one time. Somebody did not like In-N-Out Burger. I'm like, I understand a lot of people. In-N-Out, number two. Yeah, have maybe not been there because of travel and they're not all over the place. I'm like, you got to like In-N-Out. Come on. It's, it's amazing. That's also good. So what's the movie, if you're on a streaming loop or you're switching channels or whatever, let's say it's you and your wife and you're home hanging out and all of a sudden this movie cool. pops up and you're like, no matter what we were doing, what we were watching, that's now over. We're sticking with this movie. Which movie is it? All right, it's two movies. I'm sorry, buddy, because I've got to give the the girl version and I got to give the guy version because the there's <laughs> there's a healthy. Uh, so you know, Pride and Prejudice, the old version, uh, with my wife, we really enjoy watching that movie together. It's a chick flick, and so that if that came on, we would we just recently watched it. It's six hours. So oh wow. Uh, the other the other one that I'm going to watch uh, to balance that out is going to be uh, Band of Brothers, and oh, wow. uh, even though the language is really bad and and uh, I, I will go to that maybe once a year just to thank God for my freedom. Mm. Um, it's just a, and there's one really bad scene that I already know where it's at. So I, I can take it out, but the rest of it is uh, it's just, it's an incredible movie. Wow. Very good. I, I still, I got to get on that. I'm, it's what it's tough about asking some of these questions. You just give me work to do. Now I got to go watch that. Cause I haven't oh, watched it. It's, it's shameful. <laughs> I should see it. So, so Michael is a creative, you know, your singer, songwriter, follower, Jesus, what, what mm -hmm. would you say your season is right now? But, you know, we talk about terms like resting in Jesus, pursuing God, delighting in him, hearing from him, the list goes on. What would you say you're really developing in your identity in Christ right now? What would be a... You just said it, man. In Christ. Mm -hmm. I, if I could say anything to somebody, the person and the work of, of Christ and what he has accomplished for us, this whole movement that we're in, this self-esteem movement, mm. you know, hey, you know, you're worthy, you're, you know, and I know they're all saying it's because of Christ, but to me, it just takes the complete focus off of what Christ did on the cross. And I, I was on a Christmas tour just recently, Jeff, and with a, just a sweet family, the photo family. And one of the things that I was talking about was when the angel said, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And I know we tapped into this a little bit. Why did they proclaim that? And the proclamation was put there because we were at enmity with God, because the wrath of God was on us and we needed peace with God. And that peace is Christ, our savior. So, and because of what he, if you identify with Jesus, then now you become a child of God, right? So this is an incredible part of the gospel story. I know it's the Christmas story, but it's still part of the gospel story. And, and then he accomplished what he did on the cross so that we don't have to. That doesn't mean that we don't do good works, and but there's nothing that we bring to the table. And I, I get so frustrated when I hear Christian songs, Christian worship songs, talking about all these things about how, hey, I'm this, I'm that. And I'm like, man, you guys are missing it. You're missing the beauty of the gospel. Of, of Jesus Christ. And it's all about Christ in Christ. Mm. So that's why it even says at the end of Ephesians, I think it's chapter five, where it says, uh, forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. So it's all established in Jesus. And if we could just get that into our hearts and our minds, that, I mean, that's where I'm at these days. And right now I'm in the middle of memorizing Ephesians, the book. So I'm on chapter six now. Wow. And that's the theme. If you go back, 
you will see in Christ more and more just in that. So mm. I've been doing this for the last year of my life. Just, you know, I, I memorize a, a book and then I take a month off and I quote that every day, wake up in the morning, go to bed at night, quote that scripture because oh, wow. I don't want to lose it because I had Galatians and I had Philippians that I did years ago and I've lost them both. And it's like, Lord, I want to hide your word in my heart and mm. meditate on your word. How do I do this? And he gave me a strategy. Take a month, do one chapter, take off a month, and then do the next chapter, and then take off a month. And I've been doing it since, uh, well, I started in March of 2021. And now I'm on chapter six, and uh, and I can go. And I, I'm not even, I want you to understand this, Jeff. The only reason I'm telling you this is because God is doing this work in my life. All my, my wife has said, Michael, you've changed. Yeah. You've literally changed over this last year because there's something different about you. And it's because I'm hiding the word of God in my heart. And I, then I want to live that out. I want to understand it. So I'm, I'm reading like three and four different, you know, uh, what do you call those things? I can't think of it now because I'm 50 in <laughs> commentary. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I read commentaries to understand it more. And so I just keep on coming back to this in Christ thing because I truly believe the gospel of Jesus Christ is all wrapped up in his work on the cross. But see, that's huge to me because I, I, one of the things I love about doing a podcast is I get to learn what's working for other people. And, you know, you could say, you know, whether it's a pride thing or whatever, you, you're not trying to do whatever and telling that about Ephesians one through six, but what a strategy. I mean, right now I'm thinking I got kind of stuck where I've been the last few weeks based on COVID, based on another family member being sick and whatever. And I'm like, do I keep trying to do what I was doing or do I reboot? And like that, mm. if your wife's telling you you've changed in the last year, your sons are telling you the last five, those are mm. the kind of things we need to be talking about because if it's working for you, there's no shame in saying, I'm going to try to make this work for me and it might be something different, different book of the Bible or whatever. Mm. So let me ask you something. When, when you're in music, like a guy yeah. like you is, I mean, I know lots of musicians. It is all consuming. I'm friends with some worship pastors. In a good way, it can be a lot of things. But when you say detour and get away from music, what is what are the things in your life that breathe life into you that allow you to flourish when music is put aside? Are you learning a new uh, hobby? Are you hiking? I mean, what, what are the things that breathe life into you away from music? That's a great question. Thanks, Jeff. So besides being in the Word every morning and being with my wife a couple of hours every morning when I'm home, that's, and that is just the thing we do. Then we go off and I live on a farm. You know, we got like 12, 13 acres. And one of the things I love to do is get on the zero turn and, and just go cut my yard. Mm. And I got five or six acres that I have to cut. It takes me six, seven hours on the, on the zero turn. And, you know, I, I enjoy it. We have a couple of uh, great white Pyrenees dogs and we take them on walks and just hang out with them. I have learned over the last five years, because that's what, how long we've lived here. I was always hiring people out to cut my yard. You know, we lived in suburbia in Nashville and Brentwood and all these different places. And I just didn't take the time to do it. And I realized once I got here, number one, I didn't want to pay somebody $250 every time they did it four times a, a month. And I was like, I'm going to do this. And the Lord, I really believe mm -hmm. the Lord has taught me so much about him through just grass and weeds and working of the land and and uh, man, some of my greatest prayers times mm. is on my zero turn. Matter of fact, I know I shared this with you that time we met that night. One of these thoughts came to my head and, and this kind of a, I'm sorry, it's a little random, but I'll just say it. I was riding on there and I realized it's like, 
God just kind of put this on my heart. Men are more fearful about their secret porn life. Mm. Somebody they love, like their wife or their kids, finding out about their secret life of porn than they are and the eternal consequences of their sin. Mm. The eternal consequences, which says the sexual immoral person will not inherit the kingdom of God. I mean, that it, it's all over the word of God, especially in the New Testament. They're more afraid of their wife finding out than that, that eternal consequence, which is separation from God and eternal hell. And I was on my zero turn when I, wow. when God kind of gave me that thought. And it wasn't like, uh, I can tell you that that was me, man. I was more, I was more scared of my surroundings. Hey, how do I hide? I need to hide this and hide that. Than I was with this relationship with God. Sure. And I think what's happened over the last five years is that I have a real fear of the Lord. Remember, fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom. If we have a real fear, not necessarily, hey, you know, I don't do this just because I'm afraid God's going to zap me. We don't do it because we want to please God, because we love God, because we, we don't want to sin against God. That's got to be the driving factor. But the fear is there are some consequences to our sin, and he's going to discipline us, especially if we call ourselves Christians. So this is the thing that I'm learning on a daily basis. And let me tell you, with, with the things, the way things are on social media, it doesn't even have to be explicit anymore. It could just be suggestive porn. Mm-hmm which means there's no nudity, but there's a, there's a scenario happening on, you know, like somebody's acting something out that can also draw people sure. in and it's still pornography. Yeah. It's maybe soft porn, whatever you want to call it. It's still driving us to do something, to gratify something that is, has everything to do with self and not God. Wow. So sorry, I got off on that, man. That's yeah. yeah. Just being out on the farm and, and some of these things that have been happening, that's kind of, this rejuvenated my walk with the Lord. Yeah, you reminded me, Matthew Sleeth, who I've gotten tied to and had on here, uh, who's from Lexington, Kentucky, he wrote a book called Reforesting Faith. And then Andrew mm. Peterson's got a book that came out last year called God God of the Garden, which I'm sure you, mm-hmm. you know of, Andrew Peterson, or you guys might know each other. But those I don't people, know. I know Andrew, but not, not like that. But I've, I've heard of his story. Yeah, I've heard yeah, his story. Especially dealing with things out in, in uh, a farmland or in, in uh, the, yeah, like exactly. property. It sounds like you guys need to trade some stuff. Yeah. I'd like to hook up with him. I like him. Yeah. So the last, last question we've had, I've, I've had to skip past several cause there's just so much good stuff you're saying, Michael, but you said, in one of the things I saw, you said, unless Jesus is in the equation, whatever it is we're about is going to fail. It's only a matter of time. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that today stronger than you did 10 years ago when I heard you say that in an interview and what would be your word of encouragement slash warning? If people were to hear this and they're either marginal in their faith they're walking away from their faith. They don't know the Lord. What would you say about that now? I mean, I agree with it probably 10 times more than I did when I said it because it's truth. And let me just say this. We live in a time where there's a lot of people who identify themselves as Christians and, and they latch onto it and go, yeah, hey, I'm a Christian. But I just read a book recently that said 67% of people who go to church week in, week out, Orthodox believers do not believe when Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father except through me. So there's, a, there, there's this concept out there that you can read the word, pick, choose what you want, discard the things that make you feel uncomfortable about God, and still call yourself a Christian. And I'm going to give you a great example. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword to turn a father against a son, a mother against a daughter, a daughter-in-law against a mother-in-law. 
in our culture, people think there's no, there's nothing more powerful than the blood of family. That's, I mean, I grew up in that kind of a family, but I will tell you that the word teaches that there's something more powerful than the blood of family. It's called the blood of Christ. It brings us together as believers in Jesus. If Jesus is not in the equation, the real Jesus, not the Jesus that people create in their own little minds or the ones who say, Hey, I mean, it's called justification by death. All you have to do is die and you're in heaven. My dad was an atheist. He lived and died an atheist. And yet, you know what? Everybody's put him in heaven with his favorite dog and he's playing golf. No, many choose the road that leads to destruction and very few find the road that leads to eternal life. So we either believe what this word teaches us and we take it all in full because I believe scripture interprets scripture. So if you have, you come up against something that you like, ah, I got a little question about that. There's probably another scripture that would interpret that scripture. I don't care what you think it means. Mm. I want to know what it means before you were Wow, the truth. So all that to say, Christ is the truth. Mm. Christ is the word. I think it's amazing that Satan was quoting the word to the word when he was in, <laughs> when he was in the desert. It just how, how ironic. But anyway, all that to say, yes, I believe it. Jesus and any kind of equation we're talking about, and especially with marriage between a man and a woman, one man, one woman, the foundation, the love that we have can only come. I can only truly love my wife with the love of Christ because I'm worried about her soul. And that is my job. I mean, Ephesians 5, I, I know it. Um, and it basically talks about the profound mystery. And he's talking about Christ in the church. This is a reflection, this, this marriage thing between one man and one woman. Uh, th this, is, this is profound. And we are a reflection of that, of the glory of Christ. Our marriages are. So I just pray for whoever's listening, whoever's listening mm. that they would understand that Christ is the key to all things because he is life. He's life. Amen. Amen. Michael, if people want to journey with you and get to know you better and find out where you may be, how would mm -hmm. people journey with you? Where do they go to find out more? Yeah, www.michaelo.org. And I also have a Facebook thing called Pure in Heart for Men Only. And uh, I, I think I got like eight or 900 guys in there. And from time to time, I'll go on there and just talk about kind of what we're talking about a little bit, hmm. uh, just something, whatever God puts in my heart or some scripture that I'm, I'm meditating on at that time. So they can join that way, but it's a private group. You can't just get in. Sure. Sure. So if you're, you have to be a guy. There you go. Well, Michael, yeah. this is great. I, uh, I hope if nothing else, this will encourage some people that, uh, I know where they need to catch you that I'll be in, uh, another couple months. So thanks yeah. for being on here. This is rich for me. I always go into these, especially knowing you a bit thinking, well, this is how good it's going to be. And it blew mm. way past that. So thanks for being well, on here. I, I appreciate what you're doing. And I just, you know, pray that God will continue to bless you as you serve him in this capacity, because, you know, there's not a lot of guys like yourself who actually are doing it. And the, and the, the fact of the matter is you took some time to do some research too. It's not like you're just flying by the seat of your pants. And I really appreciated that too, mm. uh, about that and the, the email that you sent me. So thank you for that. Just being prepared. Okay. That tells me that you really, you really care. Uh, and you and you want to you know bring glory to God. So wow, Amen. thanks for that. That's encouraging. So well, thanks, Michael. Enjoy right, the rest hey, of your day. Hey, you have a good one. Thank you for joining us on the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. You can reach Jeff at gatheringmiamivalley.org or find us on Facebook at the Gathering of the Miami Valley. 
Join us again next week for another honest and rich conversation. The Rise FM Podcast Network.